You're listening to The Semi-Filled Writer. This is a show about my life experiences, my love for entertainment, and of course, my failures. We're not that drunk. We're We're not not that that drunk. drunk. We're We're not not that that drunk. drunk. Jen, tell us. It's, it's beautiful. It's magical. It's laughing at me. I wish I could brush my teeth with it. I want to put my dick in it. I want it to put its dick in me. I wish it were winter. We could make it into ice blocks and skate on it. Hmm. And then melt it in the springtime and drink it. Guten Tag and Willkommen to episode 20 of the Semi-Field Writer. Eric is back with us going on hey hey (laughs) we went to spain in the last film review and now today we're going to germany this time every year there's a big celebration in germany called oktoberfest and of course americans have to appropriate it Uh, this year the festivities in germany have been canceled because of the current covid19 pandemic but that doesn't mean we can't celebrate here right at home so we had our selection of german beers and we watched the classic comedy Beer Fest, which is today's film review. Now, I hated this film at first. I would roll my eyes every single time Eric would catch it on TV and he'd want to play like the last clips that show. And I'm like, this is so stupid. But we bought the DVD. Actually, it's a Blu-ray. And we watched it from beginning to end. And I fell in love with it. I felt like I, I, I guess I needed like the entire context for it to just all of a sudden make sense. And it's one of the funniest movies that I've come across. I don't know whenever you first came across Beer Fest. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the exact date on that one. Um, I didn't, it's, I didn't watch it in the theater when it came out, but I, th- I'm pretty sure I caught it not that long after on one of the the premium channels, like HBO or whichever one happened to have it at the time. Uh, and I actually, it, it, similarly, was not overly impressed with it. I laughed at it a lot. But the first time that I watched through was not w- when I thought it was so funny. It, it just kind of grew over time when I, when I would catch parts of it again. And, and it just, I don't know, it, it grew on me and, and became really funny and quotable. Absolutely. So let's just start this review. Let me give you a brief summary of what happens here. Beer Fest starts when two brothers, Jan and Todd Wolfhouse, uphold tradition and travel to Munich during Oktoberfest to spread their late grandfather's ashes. While there, they stumble upon an underground international drinking competition known as Beer Fest. It is there that they discover that they have family ties to the host of Beer Fest, but they are disowned and humiliated by the German drinking team. Seeking revenge, they spend the next year training for the next Beer Fest. The brothers recruit three friends to round out the team. They are Landfill, Fink, and Barry. While training, there is one major complication, and it has to do with the recipe for the greatest beer in all the world. That's my German, I'm sorry. But this recipe creates a war between the American and German drinking teams, as they each try to lay claim to the recipe and to a family brewery in Bavaria. The score has to be settled eventually, and it has to be done at Beerfest. The American team will do everything they can to not only win, but to restore their honor. For Grandpa von Wolfhausen, for Landfill, for Great Gam Gam, and for America. Beer Fest was released in 2006 and directed by J. Chandrasekhar. It was written by and stars the Broken Lizard comedy troupe, which is made up of Chandrasekhar, Kevin Heffernan, Steve Lemmy, Paul Soder, 
and Eric Stolhatsky. Let's start with also known as. We're not going to pay too much attention to the Broken Lizard group. We know these are the same guys that have done the Super Troopers movies. So we're going to put our focus on some of the other uh, actors that have part of this movie. Let us start with great Gam Gam, Cloris Leachman. She's had such an accomplished career. She's done so many movies, TV shows. She is an Academy Award winner. I know as Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies. I think that's probably one of the only films that I've ever paid attention to, and that's how I know her. And the other thing that I know that she's done, uh, she was a Grand Marshal for the Rose Parade probably about 10 years ago, so I wish I could pay more respect to her, but that's all I know from what she's done in her lifetime. Yeah, I was kind of the same with her looking through her list of credits, and she's been around forever and been in all kinds of things, but I just realized how little of of it I've actually watched. And, and so uh, for me, this is the role in Beer Fest is the one that I will always remember her for. I do remember her from the Beverly Hillbillies also, but yeah, I, I just, unfortunately, I'm not that familiar with a lot of the things she's done. I'm sorry, Cloris. We love you. <laughs> Will Forte. Who do you have for Will Forte? So for, for Will Forte, for me, the first name that comes up is McGruber. Uh, but not because of the movie so much. I remember just from SNL when it started becoming a thing, because I've never actually seen the MacGruber movie. But yeah, anytime I see him, I immediately think MacGruber. So I feel like that's a good one for him. Yeah, he had a very good uh, run through SNL. He also was the star of a show called The Last Men on Earth. I haven't seen it. I heard it's good. And then I was looking through his IMDb credits, and one role sticks out. He played this guy named Holka in Keanu. He was Jordan Peele's drug dealer slash neighbor that had like the crazy <laughs> braids and was That's trying right. to be, it was ridiculous, <laughs> but he was hilarious. This is a name most of you will not recognize, but it's Jürgen Prochnow. Now he's a very accomplished German actor. And if any of you have ever seen the first Dune movie from 1984, there is a new one coming out later this year. He is Duke Leto Atreides. Very prominent role there. Uh, what else has he been in? What else has he been in? You can say it if you want. <laughs> das Boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually seen the, that movie, that the old sub movie, submarine movie. And so so that's that's kind of what I would think of just because, again, it's not really a, a as familiar a name probably to an American audience. So I honestly can't remember anything else. For him, either outside of Beer Fest and, and Das Boot, I'm sure maybe you had, well, you brought up Dune. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think of Das Boot first. Yeah. And the thing I forgot to mention, he plays Baron von Wolfhausen in this movie. So you can picture who that is. Yeah. James Roday Rodriguez, he has a very small role. He plays the messenger that sends the beer to the, to the German team. The main thing that he's known for is for the hit TV show Psych. He plays Sean Spencer, the fake medium that helps solve these crimes. So I wanted to bring that up. Now, Donald Sutherland, he has a very small role in the beginning as uh, Grandpa Von Wilhausen. And he was in the original The MASH movie before the TV show. He was he was actually Hawkeye before Alan Alda became Hawkeye on the TV show. And so that's kind of what I remember him for. Again, this is like Cloris Leachman. I know he's got this long list of credits and I can't pick one that I know him for best. I know he is Keither's father. And then uh, one other person is Nat Faxon, who I believe plays Rolf, one of the guys on the German drinking team. What has he done? 
Well, since you told me earlier, <laughs> the, the one that I know that's kind of recent is from the, the series Disenchantment. He's Elfo. <laughs> I'm Elfo. <laughs> I'm Elfo. <laughs> and we like that show, so that was one that we wanted to include. Yes. Now let's move on to heroes and villains and the way that I'm going to do this. I mean, it's very clear who the heroes are in this movie. It's the American team. And of course, the Germans are the bad guys. Just off of that, you want to cheer for the Americans. However, there's some degrees, some varying degrees of likability in both of these groups. So let's talk about the American team. I would feel like there's definitely some people there that you really care for, you think they're great or interesting, and then there's some in the middle, and then some you're like, well, they're very flawed, I don't like them that much, but they still contribute something to the team. Let's start with the brothers. Let's start with Jan and Todd. I feel like they're just like in the middle of the pack. These are supposed to be the ultimate heroes. They're the leaders of this group, but... Yeah, they're they're pretty neutral. I mean, they they do get some, some moments in there, but for the most part, I don't know that you really latch on to either of them particularly strongly, one way or another. Yeah, because they don't have anything else going on for them other than you have Jan that continuously gets a black eye as motivation... And then Todd, he's in denial about what legacy his great grandmother has and his what wife. with his wife, with yeah. Barry, and yeah. So Fink, I feel like, is the most likable all of them because he doesn't do anything egregious. He is a respected man of science, even though he has these like really odd experiments, but they're supposed to be beneficial to society in general. And you have some sympathy for him because he he's a Jewish man and he really wants to stick it to the German team after what they've done to his ancestors all these years. <laughs> but then on the other hand, you also have Landfill and Barry, which I think are the least likable of the group. Landfill is kind of a jerk. He's very annoying. He really doesn't treat his family well. Yeah, he killed he, a man. He, he bullies Fink a little bit. There's there's some other stuff going on there. But I think that that those two are are kind of polarizing, but they they also get a lot of the funniest moments in the, in the movie. And so I think that that even if they don't seem like they would be very likable as people, they're still likable as characters in the movie. There is an arc that that is through this whole story. Like you have Jan and Todd, whose main objective is they want to have their claim to their family lineage, like their their rights to the the brewery that's in Bavaria. I feel like another character and what makes him so interesting is Barry. Like he's got a very uh, degrading lifestyle. He's a street worker and (laughs) has done some odd stuff. But you see that he's got some uh, issues he's got to work through. He can't play ping pong. Like that was like his game of choice. Like he was really strong in it. But because of a traumatizing experience he had, he can't do it. And it's through the film that he's able to try to overcome that and to be able to get back into the game with playing ping pong. Let's talk about the villains and the German team. So in the drinking team, I'm assuming that you've got like three of them that are brothers, I'm assuming. It's Otto, Gunther, and Rolf. And they're basically caricatures. Like they're not evil in a sense. They just bicker a lot and they just follow whatever that their grandpa. Yeah, like you said earlier when we were talking about it, they're like the German three stooges. Yes. And then you've got the two gigantic bodybuilder dudes that are just there to drink a bunch of beer and not say too much (laughs) and be intimidating. So they're supposed to be the bad guys. They're the ones that you have to beat out. But the real villains are both the Baron von Wolfhausen 
who has tries to keep the Americans out and ban them from their, their rightful legacy with the, the brewery. But I feel like Cherry, their German agent who infiltrates their... The restaurant and she, yeah, she infiltrates the restaurant and then tries to steal the recipe, ends up murdering Landfill. <laughs> yeah, those those two are the real the real bad guys behind everything else. The the rest of the team, they're just kind of following orders of, of the of the Baron. Like they wouldn't be able to do anything on their own. Like if they were trying to be the masterminds, I think they would fail. Yeah. So they can fall back on whatever their grandfather does and they can take some some safety in that. But yeah, I felt like Sherry was the worst. Like the times I've watched this movie, I don't know if it's because she's much closer to the action because the Baron, he can just snap his fingers and have everyone else do the dirty work. But she's able to steal what she thinks is the recipe, which we'll get into a little bit later. But then she actually kills one of the main characters. She pushes Landfill in a vat of, of beer and lets him drown to his death. And that just seemed pretty uh, painful to see that when it happens. I mean, so so in all, all together, as far as like heroes and villains go in the movie, I, I think that, you know, they're clearly defined in their roles, but it's just as a setup to be goofy and funny. Yeah. And so it works in that respect. There's still some growth with some of these characters, so it's not a totally absurd story. There is something going on leading to a very satisfying resolution. But it's mostly be funny. Mostly funny. <laughs> mostly funny. So what happened to you, man? We're going to go with the obvious choice here, and we're going to talk about Cherry, who was portrayed by the wonderful actress Monique. I know her career, especially in these past few years, has been well documented, but I am going to just give you a run through quickly of what's been happening. So Monique, up until this point, she's been an accomplished comedian. She's done numerous stand-up specials. She's been acting in TV and in films. Uh, at one point, she had her own daytime TV show, so she was doing a lot of things all over the place. She reached her height when she portrayed a woman named Mary Lee Johnston in the film called Precious, based on a novel pushed by a sapphire. All across the board, universal acclaim for her performance. She was exceptional, and every single award show you can imagine, they all gave her an award for her performance as Mary Lee Johnston. Now, here's the point where, based on what you've read, you could take either side. So during uh, the promotion of the film Precious, director Lee Daniels asked her to go international to promote the film. She refused to do so. Now, her argument was that she was not contractually obligated to do that. She didn't get paid much for this role and wasn't paid to do a con film festival and all those things. And she also had the choice of going overseas to do that or to spend time with her family. She chose to spend time with her family. And then later on, you have Lee Daniels going on the record saying that she was extremely difficult to work with and that she also badmouthed uh, two of the producers of the film Precious, which happened to be Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry, juggernauts in black entertainment. So as a result of that, she said that she had been blackballed from entertainment. That's the word that she uses. Now, we know of so many actors, like really good actors, that have been known to be very difficult to work with. I know you can come up with a, a few on top of your head. I can think of a few right now. And I feel like their careers have not suffered as a result of that. They're still getting good roles. They're still winning awards. Nothing has happened, even though they make everyone's life a living hell. However, in the case of Monique, I guess because 
she disrespected three of the most powerful people in black entertainment, then she gets pushed out. Now, she's had a handful of acting roles since Precious, and the last acting credit that I saw for her was uh, a series of short films called Donald Glover Presents an Adidas Original, and it's five short films that are each 45 seconds long, and they don't make sense. All it is is to promote this collaboration that he does with Adidas. It's a shoot collaboration. But that was 2019 and nothing since then. And then there's another controversy surrounding Monique, and it has to do with Netflix. She was set to do a comedy special, and they were going to offer her $500,000 to do the special. And that sounds like a lot of money. I would love to have $500,000, but she and her team rejected that offer. And the reason for that is because she knew that a lot of her contemporaries were getting so much more money for doing a special. And she wanted to get that same amount. And because she rejected that offer, Netflix decided to can the whole thing, they decided to cancel the whole comedy special. So earlier this year, she filed a lawsuit for discrimination against Netflix. And I don't know how much Monique would have wanted, like what the final offer would be for her, but the fact is that there was never a negotiation. It's just bad practice on their part. So that's kind of where it's at now. The lawsuit's pending. But Monique's still out there. She's still doing comedy tours. She's very active on social media. She's showing off what she's cooking. She's showing off what she's doing in the gym and just remaining positive. And a lot of the videos that I've seen on Instagram, she always starts with uh, this sweet message of, hey, my sweet babies. So she's remaining positive. I hope things turn around for her because everything that I've read about her, I mean, I feel like she didn't do anything wrong. It just sounds like she was not willing to play by a certain game. And her career suffered as a result of that, and it shouldn't have happened. So she's incredibly talented. You have her doing Beer Fest, which is a ridiculous role. But then she does Precious, and she shows this dramatic uh, range. And I, I think she needs to get back in there. So hopefully someone gives her a chance. Yeah, it's all a shame when you've got someone who's talented and wants to work but can't for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of the stuff that she's been in. Uh, aside from beer fest obviously uh, but you know from from what you're saying and I, I've heard that same opinion about the about her performance in Precious and uh, you know some of the comedy stuff that she's done you, you wouldn't mind seeing her in things so right I don't know right. we'll see what happens let's move on to the soundtrack of course it's around uh, Oktoberfest so there would be some German drinking songs and there's a little bit of that but when I looked at the soundtrack it's a huge mix of musical genres. You've got some German techno in there. You've got 80s rock, rap, funk, probably some other genres that I didn't point out. And then let me list some of the artists that were featured in here. You've got Bubbles, which fills in the German techno. Del the Funky Homo Sapien, The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Willie Nelson, and Eagles of Death Metal. Now, I recognize all these names, but having said that, I don't remember hearing their songs in the movie like I know they were there in support of whatever setting that they were in but they just didn't stand out for whatever reason there were three though that stood out and I don't know if it's because it worked well with the scene or it's just because I immediately recognized those songs like everyone should know what they are so those three are Jungle Boogie by Cool and the Gang, and that's when uh, Barry goes into his drunken stupor and thinking one thing's happening and it's something else. Then you've got Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison, and that's when Landfill dies. 
And then the other one is Have a Drink on Me by ACDC. That was my favorite song probably from the soundtrack. And that's part of the montage when they're going through the preliminary rounds of, of Beer Fest. And that's really all I have. I, I, I enjoyed the variety, but uh, again, some of these songs I don't remember clearly being in the movies. I wasn't watching it. Yeah, I'm with you. You named all those the all the ones before the three that obviously stand out because you definitely know those songs. And I can't recall either any in particular where any of it's playing in the movie. Uh, but like what you said, is it because you know the song or is it because it fits the scene? And I think there's maybe a little bit of both. Because I think, you know, it's a, an appropriate choice to talk about have a drink on me when everybody's drinking a bunch of beers. <laughs> and, you know, Jungle Boogie for the bury the asshole scene. And yeah. po- <laughs> the poison song when Landfill dies is just, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a scene where a character dies. And obviously this is a comedy. So it's so it's supposed to have an element that, that's funny there and, and just... That song is comedy to me because I don't I don't know why I don't take it seriously. I guess maybe it's just because it's poison. Um, I know some people love that song. I'm not trying to insult anybody's taste with that, but uh, but it just immediately has me laughing that they're playing poison when they're at the funeral for yes. <laughs> for landfill. <laughs> best scene, worst scene. Do you want to start with your best scene from this film? Yeah, I want to start actually with one that's kind of an honorable mention, not that I really think that it's in competition for the best scene, but I do enjoy. And and the first time that I saw the movie, when they hide inside the keg to sneak into to Beer Fest because they only know last year's password. Uh, so they, they roll in in the, in the keg and, and I'm thinking to myself, the first time I watched the movie, I'm like, oh, it's a it's like a Trojan barrel like with the Trojan horse reference. And so then sure enough, they say, ah, oh, the Trojan keg or whatever. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I knew it before he said it. And so that's always a funny moment for me when they do the Trojan keg. Uh, but the, the scenes that I like the most that I think are the best, the, the, well, the ones that I enjoy uh, when I watch it at least is uh, for one at the, at the, toward the end of the beer fest, when they convince the Baron to let them, do double or nothing and do the drink off with the the Germans and then they you know they say well we're not that drunk <laughs> and then it goes to the crowd and you've got the one guy who's like cheeky bastards <laughs> they're not that drunk and then they yell it out and everybody's just yelling they're not that drunk I just find that one to be hilarious and super memorable and then that's one of the main quotes that we have in this house from the movie is just we're not that drunk or I'm not that drunk or some variation of that. Uh, so I do enjoy that one. And then the other one that, that I'm also going to sneak into the quotes, even though it's not, for the line, the best line, even though it's multiple lines, we'll talk about that in more in depth later. But the scene where they first taste the, the family recipe of the beer and, and it ends up being so fantastic. And then they're all just whimsical in the things that they say. I'll, I'll have the direct quote for later. Uh, but those are the two that I would put forward. I think probably when they first taste the beer is th- is probably the best scene to me. I have two honorable mentions before I get into my favorite scene. So one is whenever they go into the house party and they're surrounded by college kids and a lot of their humor throughout the film is kind of grotesque. It's kind of centered around the drinking itself, belching, some other like bodily fluid humor. But this is just good old-fashioned fun. They're just doing drinking games with these other kids um they're learning some new tricks they're dancing i like how landfill does his hopping up and down when he's dancing um and then of course two of them are dressed as a bride and groom and punching each other so it's all just silly and innocent and then the other scene that's an honorable mention 
is at the very end, at the end credits, where they're in Amsterdam, and they uh, take a wrong turn, and they end up meeting Willie Nelson. And he invites them to be part of a underground smoking competition. <laughs> Join my pot fest team. Yes. <laughs> and then the joke he says at the end is silly and it's fun too. So I thought it was funny. So here's my favorite scene. Dad, I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's when, uh, after the funeral, Barry feels like he has to tell the truth and why he can't play ping pong. So he starts this whole story about going to Ding Dang and winning a ping pong competition but he gets beat up by the other guys who don't like to lose and it's serious because this is part of his arc like i said before where he's traumatized by this experience and eventually he has to overcome it so that he can help his team at beer fest so it's part serious but it's also funny because one he says ding dang which i don't think is a real place but it sounds funny and then at the end, where he's talking about how these goons shove a paddle up his ass. And the first time I saw that scene, I knew he was going to say that they didn't shove the handle. And then that's what happened when Fink's thing. I can't even imagine if they shoved a handle. He's like, it wasn't the handle. <laughs> uh, so it, it's just a funny combination of like this, this advances the story. This tells more about this character of Barry and what he has to go through, but there's still humor injected in it. So it was just two of the best things in there in this one scene. Um, for the worst scene, I will go first. Uh, my honorable mention is it's the final showdown where both teams both have to drink boots. It's the ultimate Das Boot showdown. And the only reason that I, I think it's a, climactic scene except whenever they're drinking the beer it's clearly cgi and then it's just so ridiculous whenever you see the guys trying to drink it where they're like going insane trying to chug it and it takes me <laughs> out of it i know it's supposed to be funny but this is like the ultimate battle this is like everything's on the line here you're supposed to be like on the edge of your seat and then they're chugging cgi beer it just takes me out of it but the worst scene I had is it's a drunken scene with Barry. Like they play this card game and he's a loser and they force him to eat a whole tomato and he does it. And I think that's just disgusting in general. But then the scene goes on where he imagine he's this suave guy. He thinks he's like the life of the party. He's dancing. He ends up going home with the hot chick. And then you see the reality of it where he's slurring his words. He's sweaty. He still has the cereal box on his head and he ends up going home with cherry and then at the end of it he's like i knew it the whole time he breaks the fourth wall when he does it but i feel like that's one of the only scenes where it doesn't advance the story at all it was just absolutely unnecessary i don't know what the point of it was but it didn't need to be in there i'm, I'm with you on on barry the asshole that sequence when when he does that and and i agree that it's not really a necessary part of the story and and so like you brought up the idea that that he breaks the fourth wall in that scene and that's another thing that i think was just completely unnecessary in a, in a movie that doesn't really do that why would you have him do it right there i know it's the punchline to the whole sequence and it's kind of funny but it just feels a little bit out of place so i do agree with that one but i also have three words for another worse scene do you want to know what they are yes Green frog jizz. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not my favorite scene in the movie. So this wasn't the first time Fink jerked well, off I mean, that one second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anytime they you're going to have a scene where... 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so they could they could have just gotten away with that one, but then they had the scene later where I I don't even remember what he's doing, but he's kind of like. It's the first time they're training and they can't handle the beer, so they're just tired and hung over from all the training, and they can't even do their normal day-to-day stuff so he's just super tired and trying to but yeah so see i already block it out but then you know he gets the the splash <laughs> on his face and and they uh, taste it too i think yeah he does uh, he tastes it he does. <laughs> so yeah uh i'm gonna i'm gonna put that one forward as, as worst scene okay on to best line worst line so other than like the movie Step Brothers and the Chappelle show I believe Beer Fest is one of the other films that we quote a lot in this house. So there's a lot of funny lines in here. It was very hard to narrow down what our favorites are. But if you'd like to start with what your favorite lines are. Well, to just kind of mention a few before I get to my absolute favorites. I, I do like there are a lot of just quick quips that show up every once in a while. Like when when one of the brothers says to the to the german team he's like real funny deutsch bag and and some of the just the quick things that they do like that are some are sometimes funny i like there's there's one of the lines with with landfill when you're kind of first meeting him and he's at what are they at the fair he's got like some trophy for an eating competition Mm -hmm. and uh and then they bring up the brewery to him and and how he got fired by the brewery (laughs) and so he throws his trophy and he's just like god damn brewery you know that brewery makes ten thousand bottles of beer a day i drink 45 of them and i'm the asshole Which is awesome. I mean, it's so are we thinking he's drinking 45 beers a day as he's working there and they're making 10,000? Uh, but that's pretty funny. But no, my favorite line, and I know I'm cheating because it's several lines, is just in that whole sequence that I put as the best scene where they drink the the family recipes beer for the first time and and you can see this look come over their faces and they're all in like wonderment and and so i'm gonna i'm gonna say the quotes and i I can't really impersonate the characters all that well so i'll just do my best but uh, so it starts off after they take the drink and and then landfill says it's magical and then fink says it's laughing at me (laughs) And then Barry says, I wish I could brush my teeth with it. And then Landfill says, I want to put my dick in it. Fink says, I want it to put its dick in me. <laughs> and then Barry finishes it off with this like little boy wonder. I wish it were winter so we could freeze it into ice blocks and skate on it and melt it in the springtime and drink it. The delivery is what makes that line. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's one of the more subtle ones in the middle of it, but just it makes me laugh every time when Barry says, I wish I could brush my teeth with it. But the, the whole, the whole exchange just, I, I, I laugh out loud every time I hear it. And I wonder if that was something that they were thinking of ahead of time, or if that was improv, like they did a series of lines and then just picked the best ones that they. Yeah, it, it has the feel of something where you would expect that they would have improv it, but I don't know. Yeah but I love that scene. (laughs) I don't know if I could have picked the best one. I have three and they all happen within like 10 minutes of each other in the last bit of the film. So I'm going to go in chronological order here. So I think the first one is whenever Barry decides he's going to play ping pong and try to, to save the team from getting eliminated. He uses the, the ping pong and he smashes a glass and he says to German team, what do you think about that? Fuckhead. And then one of the German guys starts chewing the glass and there's blood coming out. And then he says, what do you think about that, head fuck? <laughs> and I like it because he says it wrong. He says the insult wrong, but it's still right. It still works. 
in that moment. And, and in the accent, it's just funny. Yeah. And then the next one is where Fink comes over. He says, uh, I didn't have the recipe on my computer. However, you are holding the recipe for a low-carb strawberry beer. We call it She-Wolf. It's okay. And it's just that last part where we say, it's okay that we bring that up all the time, whatever it is. So it's it's delivery. A lot of this is just delivery of the lines that make it more, more funny than it should be. And then the last line is um, when Fink's really, really mad because uh, one of the guys throws his yarmulke down. It's Jan that says... Fink's got the eye of the Jew. <laughs> that sounds like a real thing. Like, if you want to know if a Jewish person is really ticked off, you see the Star of David, and it's like, he's got the eye of the Jew. Yeah, uh, so he's all locked in, and he's going to be the anchor for the... Yeah, you know he means business <laughs> now. Like, it's go time. It's it's funny. So those are my three favorite lines there. Worst line, I was able to find one that I, that I dislike more than the others. And... Like I said, Fink gets the eye of the Jew. Right before that, uh, one of the Germans, it was Rolf, he throws the yarmulke down and he says, I accidentally pushed his thingy off. And the reason I don't like it is because throughout this whole movie, these guys are really good at insulting each other. And they use really creative ways of doing that. Like right before that, Rolf is talking about Fink's hair that looks like, like pubic hair. <laughs> and it's like it works because you have a dick face. But then when he's talking about the yamaka, he might trying to he might be trying to be dismissive, and saying calling it just a thingy because that would be disrespectful. But I feel like in that moment he still could have been disrespectful while also finding just a really funny way of referring to a yamaka. So it just felt short out of everything else. Like it, it and I think the way that he said that line too, it almost he looked hesitant to to say it. Like he wasn't sure of how he wanted to do it, but they just stuck with that line. Did you have a worst yeah, line? I mean, if I if I think about it long enough, I could probably come up with something. But but there was nothing watching through this time. There was nothing that really jumped out at me as being particularly terrible. I mean, maybe when when Fink when Fink's remembering landfill and he says he oh. farted a whole plum. <laughs> I was plumb like if something if if something solid comes out, I'm not sure that's farting, but yeah, whatever. You can debate that for yourselves <laughs> offline. All right. Uh, true facts about Beer Fest. I have several here, and so I'm just going to go through the list real quick. Broken Lizard, the comedy group. You know them as the five main guys on this team, but three of them also played another role. Whenever they're going into this underground building and going to Beer Fest, they have these really odd characters, and some of them are played by the same guys. So Chandra Sekar as Barry, he also plays this uh, blind Sikh where he's wearing glasses and a white garb and the kid is just going in circles around him on the bike. Then uh, Fink, he was also this, I think they credited him as an MC, but he's this like really flamboyant guy who's got blue shorts and he's coming on to them as they're walking in. And then Landfill, he also plays the woman who's got like a human body and a meat grinder so they they make an appearance there i didn't realize that but i have to look again and and see that i'm not going to go through all the uh scientific references and the theories that fink comes up with through this movie however there's one that i wasn't sure about and that's the drinking of das boot like does it work when you spin it does it keep the bubble from popping out 
And the only thing I could find regarding that is a YouTube video where someone's trying to demonstrate how to effectively drink out of a drinking boot and does the same thing where she turns it as it's the water's coming down or the liquid. And so I'm going to say that's plausible. I'm going to say that's probably how you drink out of a boot. I don't I've, know. I've never actually tried it, so I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go out of my way to get a boot, so I'll just take their word for it. In a scene, uh, the German team is in like a little U-boat and the Baron says something like, I had a bad experience in one of these before. And that's a reference to the movie Das Boot, where his character's in a U-boat. So there's a little Easter egg in there. Donald Sutherland, he plays Grandpa Von Wolhausen. He goes uncredited. It's not in his list of credits on IMDb. I don't know if that was a choice he made. Because he's got a huge speaking line. He talks for several minutes in the beginning. So I'm not sure why, for some reason, maybe he was too good for that and didn't want that <laughs> as part of his long resume. David Hasselhoff, from what I read, was considered the first choice to be Baron von Wolhausen because Germans love David Hasselhoff. I just don't know if he would have been able to pull off the German accent. I've never heard it from him. So it's funny, but it's also... Would I don't that know. have worked? I don't know. I don't think it would have worked. In this movie, there are three, not one, two, three Academy Award winners in this movie. Not for this movie. Not for doing this movie, but for other stuff they've done in their lifetime. So Monique, I mentioned before, she won for Precious. Cloris Leachman won for uh, The Last Picture Show. And then Nat Faxon, one of the German cousins, he uh, co-wrote a screenplay called The Descendants. So he won an Academy for Best Adapted Screenplay. And that's just crazy when you think of a movie like this that you have such accomplished actors. Like you've got really recognizable, respected names in a raunchy... Dumb dumb, beer drinking comedy. (laughs) I don't know what they did to pull it off to get them to sign on, but props to them. Do you have any true facts you want to share? I've got one. And so it's the, it's uh, Eric, what is it, Stol, Stolhans- Stolhansky, Stolhansky or, or however, uh, apologies if we're mispronouncing mm-hmm. that one. Um, but he's actually, so he's the one who plays, uh, what is it, Todd Wolfhouse. Yes. And and so he was in the exercise program P90X. There's one of the, the, the videos that's on that that is uh, plyometrics workout. And so he's one of the people along with Tony Horton who's, who's doing the, the routine and you find out that he has a prosthetic for one of his legs. And so he's going through this, this brutal plyometric workout. And, and so like, you, you don't have an excuse not to do it yourself, I guess. Right. <laughs> if he can do all these jumps and, uh, leaps and high intense training then. but yeah we used to we used to do that one all the time and i never i i think it was later you pointed out to me that he was the guy in beer he fest looked familiar because i had watched beer fest previously to that yeah. and you know many times had probably seen parts of it and and i never made the connection and we did p90x quite a bit for a stretch and so i remember that actually being one of my favorites of the of the workouts in there and yeah it turns out that he's the guy from that I don't know how we got that role. <laughs> yeah. That's the only one he does in like some of the the people in those workouts do different Yeah, they're in routines. multiple multiple exercise but routines. This yeah. is the only one. Yeah, he so. was only in the plyometrics one, so I don't know. One other thing I wanted to bring up in the beginning, Rolf, he uh is trying to taunt the Americans Jen and Todd and he says, "Do it. Come on, kill me." 
what are you waiting for? And that verbatim is a line from Predator whenever Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to taunt Predator and getting him to come after him. <laughs> Suspender disbelief. The final showdown, the ultimate drinking game is called Das Boot. And of course you're drinking out of the boot. But if you translate Das Boot in English, it actually means the boat. Now, if you wanted to take the actual meaning of the boot and make it German, you actually would be saying Der Stiefel. So it's not an accurate translation, but you are just supposed to know that it's a boot that you're, I don't know, they're just taking German and English together. I don't know what they're doing, but that's what it is. You should already know this. They do a ton of drinking in the competition, even training, getting there. There's just drinks and drinks everywhere. Of course, no human could ever drink that much in a single sitting. And it's a good thing they put the disclaimer in there that to not try it at home or else you will die. I believe that. So I'm really glad they put that in there. Yeah, particularly when they have Todd, he has to get wasted so that they can find beer fest when they when they return and, drunken recall and yeah the drunken recall and so they have him drinking i don't know he drinks what like 20 beers and then they give him some kind of schnapps or something and he guzzles that whole thing and then they go to beer fest and so this is in a relatively short period of time that he's had all of that and he's going to go into beer fest and they've got to keep chugging more beers and and so that's just a, an inhuman amount of i don't even think andre the giant who was <laughs> <laughs> notorious for his ability to drink a, a lot. Maybe he wouldn't even be able to drink that much. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is one of the funniest scenes here. I believe it was Gunter. He was saying that, unfortunately, their family only has the fourth best beer in Germany behind Steiner Marzen, Radeberger, und Becks. Und Becks? And those are all real beers. However, I don't know about the first two, but Becks is probably not one of the top German beers. I'm sure you can name at least... Yeah, I mean, you can tell that they're going for a, a joke by putting Beck's in there, because the other two are definitely German beers. I'm I'm not sure that you would rate those as the as the best German beers. I'm not necessarily an expert in that, but I would think, you know, something like Weinstefaner would be up close to the top of my list, but, you know, really funny that they put in Beck's on there and that they agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever they brew the family recipe, they start selling it at their restaurant and they call it Schnitzengiggle. They bottle it in green bottles and from a lot of the breweries that we have visited, brewers that we have talked to, they normally stick with brown colored bottles, darker colored. You are advised not to store them in green bottles or even clear bottles because the light penetrates the liquid, oxidizes it, um, breaks down what's in it and it makes the quality of the beer awful like skunky and what we're hearing now is that they now put like a uv protective coating on glass regardless of the color but back in 2006 i don't know if that technology was there but if you have the greatest beer in the world you want to keep it fresh you don't put it in green bottles so that was an issue i had with it yeah and you know it's a little off topic but the kind of the history that, that goes with that 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 i've heard is that it was in in World War during World War Two. There was a shortage for the brown glass, and that that's when they started using green glass. Some of the some of the breweries, and and then the bottles caught on, as you know, standing out or or being recognizable, and so that's why they kind of stuck with it. But yeah, it turns out that that's not really the best colored glass. It blocks the least UV of anything other than clear glass. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, But yeah, apparently now they're able to do a UV treatment, so it doesn't really make a difference. The last thing I want to bring up, Landfill dies because he drowns in a vat of beer and Cherry says that it's the yeast that's pulling him down. There's two things that I don't buy about that. One, I don't think the density of beer is that severe that he can't float on top of it. I feel like it's about... I don't know. I haven't done the science on it, but it's probably just as on the same level as water. I think it'd so be could be close. Also, his feet can reach the bottom of this the tank. The tank. He can push up and at least get above the level. Yeah, you would think he would be able to push up and then even reach the top or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he died. He had to die somehow, and I guess it's kind of poetic that he dies drowning in a beer and also trying to drink his way out of it. But yeah, couldn't. I always thought it would be funnier if he actually got through a little bit more of it as he was drinking before drowning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are other things. I mean, there's a lot of things that are unbelievable in this movie, but these are the ones that I wanted yeah, to point I had, out. I had a couple too, like the, all the, a lot of the drinking games, let's say uh, clearly they're exaggerating the, the performance in those. So that, that kind of stands out to me. And then another part of it was, uh, I'm I'm not an expert on German accents, and I definitely can't do a German accent, and so I don't know that I'm really the authority on it, but some of those German accents seem a little suspect to me. <laughs> yeah, they probably did better than what I could do. I mean, I tried to demonstrate that earlier. And then there was, like, other international teams at the Beer Fest, and I think, like, the the British team... Almost sounded Australian. Yeah, they, they might have had some people who were who were doing the wrong accent there, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad. All right, if they tried to remake the film today, what should change? I I don't know that that you really change the change it at all. It's like one of those things like I guess if you're if you're doing a remake, the question would be whether you get somebody who would be like super recognizable that they would throw into it, but I think that wouldn't really work that well. I think it would be better to have more of an unknown kind of group that if you just get some really funny people who maybe aren't superstars yet to, to do it, I think you could do that. But yeah, I mean, I, I am kind of surprised that they never did another beer fest or, you know, something along those lines. I know that you're going to mention the, the Willie Nelson <laughs> part yeah. of it. Uh, so what do you think? I think the one thing, I mean, they kind of take a note from those 80s raunchy films like Porky's or Animal House. And so they have this unnecessary nudity, like especially in the beginning when they have the disaster at Oktoberfest and women are losing their shirts and then they accidentally happen to pull other women's shirts and they're all topless. Like it seems excessive. And I mean, they try to even it out because Barry shows up naked, passed out somewhere. So there's that. But I feel like that was all excessive. I would have thought with something like Beer Fest that they could have done like what American Pie did and just create these spinoff movies that are under this um, franchise, I guess. Like they could have done other stories of other people doing a Beer Fest competition in their own universe. This group a couple of years ago did a short web series and I haven't sought it out, but they try to do something like that where they call it Beer Fest. But other than that, they were teasing at the very end of the movie that they were going to do a sequel that would be called Pot Fest. And that has never happened, but I still am hoping that they try to make that happen. Like, they just did Super Troopers 2 after, like, 15 years between the first, the first one. But maybe they'll consider doing it, or maybe they've gone on to do bigger, better things. Yeah, so, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they'll get around to it someday. <laughs> yeah. So that's all I have. I mean... 
it was good to watch a comedy. I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I hope these next two weeks are not as crazy as they were before because we had a huge fire. But unfortunately, there's other disasters going on. I won't get into detail, but these other two weeks have been crazy. So it is nice to just take a moment to kind of think on the good things in life and to just let yourself have some escapism Watch a silly movie. Laugh, drink a few beers. Yeah. And just try to keep the spirits up as best as possible. So I am thankful for Beer Fest for that. And I thank you for introducing me to this movie, <laughs> even though I resisted for many years. <laughs> Finally got you on board. Yeah, I've converted to the dark side. All right. You can reach me at semifieldwriter at gmail.com. My website is semifieldwriter.com. I also have Twitch and Instagram at semifieldwriter. Eric, thanks for taking the time out to do this. You're welcome. Now to the rest of you, I hope things are going well. Again, stay safe out there, and I plan to talk to you again in a couple weeks. Until then, take care.